It's that time of year again when your nice hosts take a few weeks off from new episodes. But before we do, we pick a few of our favorites from the past year to heat up in the microwave and serve to you while we are on hiatus. Last year, Ellen picked all the episodes because Stephen and I were too lazy. But this year, Dale picked them all because we were too intimidated to tell her no. This week's nice replay is episode 268, No Referees, Curling, Off-Ramps, originally published July 7th, 2022. Dale picked this one because she thought it was funny that Stephen and Ellen were so excited to hear me talking about curling, a game that I have never played. You haven't? No, not not a single time. You talked all that game and you hadn't even played the game yet? I mean, have you played professional football? You still watch I don't, it, right? I don't really watch football. <laughs> I try to come up with an example. <laughs> yeah, this this is still weird to me, curling. We, got, we have to come back to this. I don't think it's not weird to anyone. Okay. I feel like people who play curling also were like, yeah, this is weird, right? <laughs> but it's, I mean, I think I think what I'd like to think what excited the two of you yeah. is that it's like a window into my philosophy of game design. Mm, <laughs> and yeah. and I, I think that comes through clearest in this episode. Very true. Very true. Little giddy today. I'm so excited. <laughs> what are you gonna what are you gonna say about curling? I'm on well, I'm not literally on the edge of my seat, but I might be in a couple seconds. So <laughs> Well, before we get into all that, uh it hot fam. Yeah. <laughs> Accurate description. Yeah. Steven is one of you was saying earlier, uh off mic that uh, as Minnesotans we do we talk about the weather all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's cause our weather is extreme and always changing. Yep. Yes. We don't like that we talk about the weather. We just yeah. literally can't help it. Yeah. It's always on our minds. Yeah. Um, right now it is 101 degrees Fahrenheit in Minneapolis, and or like 70 percent humidity. Yeah, that's that's what the, the not the heat, it's the humidity, right? <laughs> that's 38 Celsius for those uh, everywhere else. Yeah, um, very very hot. Mm. Um, we're air conditioned here in the clubhouse. Thank goodness. But uh, <laughs> this room in the office it heats up a little quicker when there's three bodies in it. Right. So. We, it's not uh, ideal. We have to we have a fan. We turn it off before we start the recording. Yes, I mean it could be worse. We've had some hot, hot recording sessions. Oh gosh, yeah. Back at Glitch, sometimes the air condition. We had to turn the air conditioner off, and it was super. Hot. It was too it noisy, was... so we always had to turn it off. Yeah, that was on real hot. It was unpleasant. Really yeah. Well, there was a lot of window, yeah. window space, yep. and I yep. think it was facing a direction where there was a lot of sun, and I don't remember there being lots of blinds. No, there weren't blinds at all. No. Nope. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're like. Definitely multiple features. So what do we have on. to complain about is the short. We live in that. Minnesota. This is, it's our, it's our right. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's, to complain. Yeah. It is our birthright. <laughs> it, there's a grocery store right next to the office yeah. and I'll just hop over there for snacks or whatever. And the, I mean, when I say just next door, it's like there's an alley between us. Yeah. It's yeah. not, it's right. not, a, it's not much, it's not a walk at all. Mm-hmm. And it was so torturous. <laughs> just to walk back and forth. <laughs> It was so frustrating. I was walking back and somebody stopped me, like asked for the time or something, and I got was so mad at them for making me stand outside for five more seconds. Yeah, and I I'm sorry to whoever that was because (laughs) I was did not was not in a good mood. Yeah, it was not the time for that. It's rough. Well, like it's that is the thing about Minnesota is like Uh if you aren't prepared and you go out in the winter, you might die. If you aren't prepared and you go out in the summer, you might die. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Well, the national it's a there was an extreme heat warning. It is really dangerous. It it can be. Yeah. I mean, because we have these extreme temperatures, we do every. I mean, so many. There's not a lot of places that are not air conditioned and heated for the winter. Mm -hmm. But in some places in the country that get these heat waves from time to time, they they just don't need it all the time, and so you give a lot more. 
health incidents like people you know heat stroke and all sorts of things yeah uh, we're a little bit lucky because as a as a culture minnesotans have dealt with this every year mm. is extreme so we're a little better prepared but it still is dangerous yep you know yeah. Yeah, drink your water yeah yeah drink your water and stay in the shade yeah i took a, a bike ride all around town it was yesterday the day before and it was you're it was, crazy it was like 88 or something mm. and it was as long as i was moving at 10 15 miles an hour what a breeze. Yeah, if, I was, a breeze. if i was going slower than that i was just like what am i doing out here yeah. well and you have a um I, this is i don't want to get too off topic but i have questions for you about your e-bike and yeah. one of them is do you have to pedal really hard when it's hot no um it has a it has like a boost assist yeah so like if you're, if you're lazy you just press this button and it like it's kind of like you know nitrous for your e-bike Yes. You try not to use it because it drains the battery a lot quicker. Mm. But um, but no, it, it has a top speed of 20 miles an hour by uh, legally. Uh, otherwise, you have to class another type of vehicle. Hmm. Um, but if you hold that button down. You yeah, can really get going. You can get to 20 and stay there for a while okay. without a lot okay. of effort. Noted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, but but yeah. And also, there's like something about a birthday. And let's talk about curling. <laughs> no, let's talk, about, <laughs> let's talk about birthday. Yeah. So we, we listeners heard to. last week, it, yeah. it was Stephen's birthday last week from where you, the listener, was sitting. Yes. It's not yet Stephen's birthday where we're sitting, um, but huzzah, celebrate? Anyway? Uh, yeah. I, it's it, 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 Okay, so I, I'm going to get real with listeners for a little bit here. Get real. Because it's like, I've, I have been looking forward to my golden birthday for a long time. Yeah. Um, But because of COVID and me not feeling comfortable and... Uh, me not feeling comfortable in, in in social situations as much, and me not having as much social energy as I used to, just due to the fact that you know we've been isolating for so long. Um, I haven't been looking forward to this year. Yeah. Also, it means we're getting older. <laughs> it's my golden birthday. Yeah. Um, for listeners who are not aware, golden birthday means it's it's just like the the your age is the same as the day uh, of the month you were born. Mm-hmm. So my I mean I already made it clear my birthday is June thirtieth. So I am turning 30 <gasps> yes big round number yes. join us join us <laughs> <laughs> we'll both be in our 30s for a brief time yeah <laughs> it's exciting yeah <laughs> um so yeah i so i haven't really been looking forward to my birthday in the same way that i had been before yeah which is kind of sad but i am um uh on my on on the week I guess of the recording that y'all heard, I would I would have been at uh, Summer Games and Quick, and uh, I'm because like, I I took the whole week off and I'm gonna be there the whole week. So. Awesome! Oh, yeah. I didn't know that part of it. Um, yeah, or so, I forgot. Oh yeah, yeah, it, it, it happened to be on my my my, my birthday. Oh, that's so perfect. I'm yeah. there I didn't that. know you were taking the whole week off. For yeah, it. that's that's, that's fantastic. That'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, you'll report back. Yeah, yeah. Maybe my, you'll do a little bit of recording on site. I was, I was gonna, yeah, I was thinking about doing that. Uh, see if there's some uh, game speed runners who are interested in talking to nice games. That'd be cool. Um, yeah, and I mean, we did it off of my phone before we could do it again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's that. Well, one of your other birthday traditions I know is that you you go see a Pixar movie because for some I reason do. they're always in theaters. They're on in your theaters birthday. like around. June, I didn't yeah. realize it was such clockwork with that studio. Well, in the past few years, it hasn't been the case. Actually, like, well, yeah, bef- okay. even before pandemic. Yeah, the, it's the been a last off. three, Dis- three uh, Pixar movies went to Disney Plus, uh, or you know, either it like skipped theaters. Yeah, but even before even before pandemic stuff, and even before like you know Disney Plus existed, I think they'd been a little off. Like some uh, of them, okay. it came out in like March or something. Yeah. Um. Well, there's one in theaters now. There is, and is I actually there? forgot about it. <laughs> Wait, which one? I don't. It's know. it's Lightyear. It's, it's oh yeah, yeah, it's the Buzz Lightyear. Of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not. 
That's actually that excited about this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I haven't think I haven't been thinking about it. Um, but I might. I don't know. Maybe I'll it's go got me- it. real mixed critical. Oh, really? Yeah. Feedback. Okay. People like no one's saying it's a disaster, but I think people expected better, more of it. Because hmm. it's a Pixar. Because it's kind of a, such a good idea. Yeah. I, I think people just thought there would be more. It'd be more like it would wow them more, ah. which is sort of their fault, I guess, for expecting that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's why. I, yeah, I, I, I guess I didn't realize it was a Pixar movie because to me it seemed more like a Disney animated studios movie. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, they they're almost the same. It's hard. <laughs> like I can tell the difference because I've been watching Pixar movies all my life. But, right. <laughs> um, but. Um, yeah, it, it it didn't seem like it was a Pixar movie, but now I know it's a Pixar movie. I guess I should try to go watch it. On I, I think that I can understand why that because like Toy Story has had, it's been around a while, right? And most other Pixar movies don't have sequels. Pixar didn't. Pixar's first or it's their second movie was a sequel. Yes, and then they didn't do sequels for a long time. Yeah, and then they started doing almost nothing but sequels. Yeah, for a while. Right. But in the past five years, a bunch of originals. Mm-hmm. So they're you know they're now just doing a little bit of both. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I mean, what's great, Stephen, is this has given you a great preview of your 30s, yeah. <laughs> which okay. is which is like having really high expectations and having, you know, but everything just not being quite as good as you'd hoped. Ah, <laughs> oh, cool. But like still things are still good. OK. You know. OK. But uh, you, you you lose all the innocence of youth. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> definitely the case. Yeah. I, that wasn't my experience at all. Oh, no? My experience was like, do, 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 do. Oh, crap. <laughs> i'm 30 and then it was like oh okay it's not very different oh no i'm 36 what <laughs> yeah okay so so i gotta watch out for 36 nothing special about 36 i just lost count sure <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> i might have told this story on the, sh- on the show before but when i turned 36 i was like oh i'm in my mid i, I passed the half point so i'm in my late 30s mm. and so i must be 38 <laughs> And so for three years, I thought I was 38. Oh. And I only turned 38 just recently. Oh. Wow. And it was like, it was weird because I'm like, oh, I'm finally the age I thought I was the last three years. Huh. So very strange. That's fascinating. Turns out, same thing happened to my sister. She says, that's exactly what happened to me when I was that age. Wow. Just, you just you just think you're 38 for a while. I don't know if that's if anyone else has ex- that experience, but apparently it's not unique to I just wonder, me. Okay. I wonder if you can like, surprise yourself in reverse. It's like, I, th- I think I'm 50. Yeah. And then you're like, wait a second. No, I'm not. I'm only 38. Right. <laughs> uh, curling. Yeah, what Curling? <laughs> We're just going to go right into it? Then? I think um, so. Unless we can come up with a better transition. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so curling is a um, well. Most people know it from the Winter Olympics, right? It's it it people joke about it. It's a little weird, right? The, yeah. the sweepers and all of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'll just lay out the basic rules of the sport, and then I'll get into why I chose it as a topic for the show. <laughs> That's really what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah. So uh, in curling, you have a, a like a lane. Um, players are at one end. Each player has a. Uh, like a 30 pound stone mm. that they put on the ice it's got a little handle on it okay and then they they slide it down to the other side of the field um which has a like a giant target in it that's about i don't know actually know all these like exact specifications it's like 12 sure. feet wide or something yeah and the um right in the center of it is where you're aiming so it's like horseshoes basically or any okay. kind of or darts or any kind of thing like that okay and so uh teams alternate back and forth throwing rocks down the field 
They can knock others out of the way. Mm -hmm. They can position them in in a way so that they'll have more that are closer to the center, which is called the button. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) you you score when at the end of an end, after everyone's tossed all the stones, the closest stone to the button uh, gets a point. And if the next closest stone is uh, from the other team, then that's where the counting stops. But basically, you count up until you reach a stone from the other team. Hmm. So most ends they're called an end like an end is what they're called most ends uh result in one point (laughs) for one team sure um and so that that makes curling extremely strategic Mm. because you very often because when you do win an end you then go first in the next one and you want to go last yeah and so sometimes you'll be in a position where you will secure zero points to get a, a more advantage next time around fascinating okay. uh, you like there's three ends left yeah and if we go and if teams go back and forth as to who scores then then there's a good chance we're gonna lose all right well then let's just bl- we call it's called blanking an end mm. where nobody gets any points mm. and you do that so that you maintain your position as the last person who throws but you're closer to the end of the game so there's fewer opportunities for your the other team to catch up yeah so okay. that's just a taste of how like complex the strategy of curling is, hmm. um, it's called chess on ice. Who calls it chess on ice? A lot of people call it that, like unironically. What? Okay, it's it's, extre- it's an incredibly strategic game, huh. um, and that's why I love it. Is okay. because it's a sport that uses as much of your body as it uses your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, which I mean, of course, there's you know, almost any sport uses your mind. It's right. not like I'm not trying to like you know damn every other sport. Yeah, but the thing about curling is it's just very much a game. Yeah. Um, as much as it is a sport. Um, and so the thing about curling that's special, though, other than the game is kind of great. The thing about curling that's unusual, and you'll see every four years when the Winter Olympics rolls around, you'll see people talk about, like, what's so weird about curling? It has no referees. Mm. It's entirely self-governed, even at the Olympic level. Goodness. And there's a couple reasons for that. And the things, and I'll get into those, but what's super interesting about it is it's, the, it's this thing called the spirit of curling. And it's, it's part of the rules of curling. Oh. E- even outside of its, like, governing body and leagues and all of that, yeah. it's if you play curling, like, as, like, a hobby, mm-hmm. you will hear about the spirit of cu- curling, which is, like, essentially part of the rules. Okay. And so I've, I, I've, I've copied it down here. I'm not going to, maybe I won't read the whole thing, but a couple of the choice parts are. Sure. Um, you know, curling is a game of skill and tradition. A, a shot well executed is a, is a delight, and it's also a fine thing to observe the time-honored traditions of curling being applied in the true spirit of the game. So right away, it starts out with, like, let's all hold hands and be friends. Uh-huh. Like, that's essentially. And so the, the paragraph ends with, curlers play to win, but never to humble their opponents. And that is, like, a key concept in curling culture. Okay. Hmm. Which is that you, like, it's not worth winning if everyone is angry at each other. Yeah. yeah. Like, and, and in curling clubs in the snowy places where curling is popular, um, you know, it's very frequent that, uh, you know, the, the winning team will then, you know, get dinner for the losing team. Like it's, huh. it's so uh, friendly, a sport <laughs> and it's unusual. And I think I've talked about on the show before. Um, I'm, I probably mentioned curling in this context mm. about like my, the th- what I don't like about competitiveness in games and how I feel like it brings out the wrong things in a lot of people. Sure. And curling is like the example that I like to bring is like, this is what I think all competitive games should be. Um, but there are some things that make it this way okay, yeah. that, that are, that are, I think maybe e- easy enough to prove, but a lot of things that I think is, is really a theory. So okay. I want to get into it and maybe we can talk about like, how would we design a game 
that has that kind of spirit that can be highly competitive that can have it could be it could be an olympic sport uh, there's that much to to master about it um but at the same time it doesn't need referees yeah <laughs> like it's such an unusual anomaly Wild. and and i think it you can design a game like that like and even I, fighting games have referees yeah <laughs> Right, and, that's and a like it's game. a video game. The yep. game tracks your what you're doing. Like that's mm-hmm. <laughs> so. I think the first thing about it is the culture. Yeah. Okay. So uh, curling's culture is just really, really surrounded by this. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, it's taboo to 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 like not reveal your mistakes. I mean, one of the rules in curling is it you it, you can only call a foul against yourself. Wow. Like <laughs> that's that's how it works. Blah. And and the thing is I I've seen it happen in Olympic games. Yeah. Somebody makes a mistake, they touch a stone as it's moving down they're not supposed to, and I didn't notice it. And yeah. no one else on the thing noticed it. The person calls them out and they lose a gold medal over it. Wow. Like that is just that is part of curling. Because if you're the person who makes that mistake and you don't call yourself out on it and you win the game, you will not enjoy that experience. Mm-hmm. And that is because the culture of the game is really really built around this. Um like it it it's not just about scoring the points. Yeah. And that's what, that's why that, that phrase, they play to win, but never to humble their opponent. Yeah. Like you play to win. You don't actually play to beat the other team. Yeah. Right. Even though you are competing with them and it's like a mindset. And so that's the struggle I have with this describing this. Like, is it just an an anomaly in the world or is it something we can actually design for? Yeah. Because I think the two reasons that, that make it that way are this sort of like um, ephemeral up in the air kind of just notion of fr- of friendly competition, which I mean, all competitive uh, games and tournaments and, and, and scenarios, the people who organize them, the people who design the games and even a lot of the players, right. they all believe in sportsmanship. It's yeah. like, no yeah. one doesn't believe in it. Yeah. And, but the curling is, has it built in so much that I think that is part of it. Mm-hmm. That is sort of ill-definedness of it. But also I think it's because curling is a very um, simple objective game. Okay. Like it doesn't need referees, not just because people are nice to each other, yeah. but because it's pretty easy to judge. It, oh, like, sure. a, a referee for curling would not have, it would not take a lot of work. Yeah. And the game is designed that way. It's okay. very objective. Sure. Um, it's, you know, uh, darts is another example of like a simple game that's objective. Uh-huh. And in darts, like if you ever see like darts on ESPN or something, yeah. like it's very rowdy. It's yeah. like, I mean, it, it's, well, it it's is a, a game. bar sport. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and that culture comes with it. Yeah. So it's not that that, that sort of, that, you know, there's like there's smack talk and mm. and taunting and mm. and psych outs and all that kind of stuff that in curling is just absolutely against the rules. Like hmm. you are you you are not allowed. You can't smack talk. You can't. You are not allowed to do anything oh. which prevents the other player from playing their best. Oh wow! Like that is against the the spirit of curling. Okay. Like you can't. You know. It's and and that's those are subjective yeah, uh, things. Sure. And there's no referees to govern it. Right. To police it. Yeah. And because of that, the game would fall apart under those rules if people violated them too much. Mm-hmm. So therefore, everyone is responsible for keeping it together. Mm-hmm. And and so violations of that, which are not like the NBA has like a whole fine structure yeah. for like if a player does specifically this thing, they are fined this amount of dollars. Yes. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that content is policed very specifically and that's a solution to it right right um online uh, uh, uh moderation yeah is in order to be fair has a really specific set of rules and a specific adjudication process yes curling doesn't have any of that okay and that i think is a strength hmm. because hmm. if it did have all of that then you've got the strategic mind working how oh. can i come up to the line of yes. that right and yeah still yeah. play fair yep, yep, yep. And, and and that's not nefarious mm. but it leads to uh, uh, conflicts, but when yeah. that when that conflict zone is 
ill-defined. Mm-hmm. I think, it, my theory anyway, yeah. is that that is one of the reasons why curling can persist. Because it cannot survive as a game without, without everyone keeping that spirit. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so they just do. It's, <laughs> it's not that they're better or better sportsmen than people playing other games. It's part of just how the game is, is put together. Well, yeah, maybe not inherently better, but their outward behavior might appear to be better. Yeah. You know, or at least it's like, you know, if you've spent equal number of years in the sport, then who knows? I mean, it's hard to compare apples to oranges, um, as they say. Yeah. But this is interesting because it's like the, the game theory of curling includes the culture mm-hmm. because the because those those rules those penalties are so ill-defined i think what you're saying absolutely makes sense it's kind of like if you if you give something a fine then that's that's the fee that you can pay to yeah. do the wrong thing like right. have, and then you'll be absolved you did it you paid your fine move on to the yeah, next game right? like i'll keep i'll keep speeding if i've yeah. got money to pay the ticket then yeah. it's just that's just like the toll that i pay yeah. on speeding and even so like there um like fouls do have consequences so if you touch a stone as it's moving down the field um, you, you you reveal you've done that, and then that stone comes out of play. If it hit another stone before you, you know, because it's just seconds the thing flies down, it um, you have to do your best to put the things back where they were, right? Hmm. And there's no judge to do it. There's no measure. Like, the teams just agree that's where those were. Hmm. And it's very strange because it's a very precise game as yeah. well. Um, but in the case of, uh, like, 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 you pay your penalty, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. like, in curling, there just isn't enough... Op, like there's not enough you could be punished with essentially so there's no strategic fouling like you'll see uh, other sports where you will foul a player because you it's better to uh, run out some clock time or uh, let them get the you know the this many points uh, for their free kick yeah. than it would be and I'm just mixing all these games together than it would be to <laughs> let them perform at their best because that's 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 game theory it's just it and it's smart right mm-hmm. But curling doesn't have as many opportunities for that kind of play, that kind of meta play. And so that's another one of the reasons. So I think the culture is really important, but I think the design of the game allows for that. Well, you, you did describe right in the beginning that meta play, what was it called? The the zero end or whatever? Where yeah. like you you know, you you try to make it so that no one gets points so that you have a better standing for the last few. Right, but there's no there's no manipulation that's outside the spirit of it, right? Like yeah. the you know, you 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 try to block a player from making a good move. And the only tools you have to do that are the tools you also have to make your own moves. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in that way, it's like chess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think the um, because curling is relatively easy to measure objectively, mm-hmm. um, and more so now, the, the 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 stones have these handles on them that are capacitive. So um, if you go over the there's a line when you throw it down, you have to let it go by, or else you're you know it's like bowling basically. When uh, you can't go past the line yeah. when you're throwing the thing. Um, there will be a beep that happens because there's a little and, and that is one of the last hard to measure things yeah where it's like you know oh you stepped over the line no i didn't no i didn't right like that's the kind of thing that all sorts of games have right but curling has eliminated as much of that as possible so that um it is easy for the players to self-govern themselves yeah mm-hmm. so that it's not just that it's it is not impossible to cheat right yeah it's like it's not totally difficult even yeah to like to manipulate if no one's looking or whatever i mean in the olympics you have 100 cameras on you but right you know <laughs> outside of that it's it's just that 
to judging the game doesn't actually take a lot of your my headspace. Okay. And so a game like compared to say baseball, baseball yeah. has the the strike zone. Yeah. You ha- you need an umpire for that. Right. Because the players are way too motivated to be objective. Yeah. And it's too hard to and you know umpires get it wrong all the time too. Yeah. It's very subjective judgments. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. And curling just doesn't have that. Yeah. It can, and so therefore it's just easier for the players to to keep track of what's what. Yeah. And because the game is designed that way. You compare that to a video game where the computer is the referee, mm-hmm. but there are complicated structures that players can't keep in their heads. Yeah. So that is that's ultimately the players, because they're relieved of the burden of having to track any of that stuff, they then don't understand the importance of tracking that stuff mm-hmm. necessarily. Um, and I, so I think that's where video games comes in, where, like, you know, a ref can't make a mistake in a video game. Right. Right. Uh, there, enough things have objectively measured. Um, but the player isn't confirming those objective measures themselves. So there's opportunity for sour feelings or yeah. for, or, or, or suspicion that there's a problem or, you know, or, or some other kind of like, not just, even if you can't cheat in a video game, it, it's harder to verify that the other person didn't mm-hmm. in your own mind right. in a way. And I think that mm. that's what leads to the, the, because you're, you're free of that burden of having to actually confirm or track it and stuff. Mm. Currently it's super easy. There's just not a lot to it. Um, and I think that's an important part to think about in game design when you have like, this is one of the reasons I don't like like complicated board games Yeah. because I feel it's too much for the player to keep in their head. And even if everyone's trying to play fair, it's hard not to have this thing saying like, well, I think I counted it right. Did they count it right? Because if, if I counted it right and they didn't, but they're the ones deciding who gets those tokens and then I have to say something. Yeah. And that's just an irritating <laughs> process. Yeah. Yeah, I agree and even that. if you're, you know, you're in a, a, a you're not in a, a, a highly competitive mode that can still lead to conflicts. Yep. Uh, even if no, no rules have been broken. Right. Um, like yeah, curling is just a little bit easier. So I think I don't want to give too much credit to like the, the history of the, of the, the, the curling clubs that keep the spirit alive. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's, that would be an overblown explanation for why it's that way. Sure. I think the design has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Well, let's dig into that. Mm-hmm. Um, so one, a couple things came to mind as you were talking about the rules and one thing that comes to mind that I think could be a factor in, in the, you know, cultural oh, momentum, I guess. Yeah. Maybe it might be the right word is that the players are not directly, from what I understand, the players are not directly interacting with each other on the ice, right? It's one team goes, then they step off the ice, and then another team goes. Yes. It's a slow game. Right. For that reason. And yes, there's, 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 it's more the interactions you make with other players are with your stones interacting with their stones on the play field. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, very objective and unambiguous. Yeah. Right. And there it's not this live you might accidentally trip someone. You know, there there's not the physical proximity to the other player and the speed involved that might injure someone, right? right. Like yeah. playing soccer or basketball, you're going to trip and you're going to fall and it might not be anybody's fault, but maybe it was. Yeah. Right? That that's not part of the equation here yeah i think about like um i mentioned like the strike zone in baseball but the other example i was thinking of is like dribbling in basketball yeah um that's something where it 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 is kind of up to the referees to decide but also a player can manipulate their position in relates like they know where the ref is standing yeah so they can take an extra step if they know there are a bunch of players in between them and the ref that happens a lot Mm. um and there's just way more opportunity for to exploit that ambiguity um, oh, so because things are so transparent, it's difficult to cheat even if you wanted to. Well, it's just that it's easier to play better than it is to cheat. Like, it isn't that hard to cheat. It's just yeah. easier to play better. Okay. You know? Sure, sure. Okay. See, my 
My, I'm, 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 I'm really trying to come up with ways to exploit. And see, this is why when I talk yeah. about like uh, designing online games, yeah, like I, like I, I mean, it has to be done. You have to have all these moderation systems, these anti-cheat pieces of software. Yeah, all that is neat because the d- games are designed that way. But I feel like the way to solve bad sportsmanship in vi- in video games as well mm. is to just make cheating not rewarding. Mm. And and that means games have to be different. Like that, well, yeah. there are certain types. It, it was when you think you couldn't do that to League of Legends, right? No. Um, it would have to be a different game. And yeah. I, I think that I don't think there are enough people trying to to tackle the problem that way. Well, I mean, I agree. I I I I, I, I agree that especially like with MOBAs and such, like they're the toxicity in those in those communities is largely due to the fact that like one player can ruin your experience for the next 40 minutes yeah and things like that um so in in because and the reason that happens is due to like the competitive the extreme competitive nature of the of those games yeah um and because it's a team game Mm -hmm. specifically too like if you're playing by yourself um like in a fighting game i mean you can still have a you can still be a toxic fighting game player but um if you're playing a fighting game like you're only ruining the experience for yourself if you you know act up um, I guess for the most part, I guess you can act up and mess up the other person's game, but I mean, like then you just win. The other yeah. person just wins, so you just like lose your game right. just because you got angry. Or well, whatever. even right. even even in fair play, yeah. in a fighting game, there's a lot of psychology involved. Yes, um, and that's core to uh, those types of games. Yes, is feints. Yeah, and and and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know, um, right. trying to dupe the other player into making a move, trying to goad them, right, trying to annoy them. And yeah. you do that, you don't have to be yelling at them in their face. You can uh-huh. do that just with the button presses on your controller. Yep. And, uh, like, I'm here to say that's bad. <laughs> okay. Um, that's what I like about fighting games, but I that's know. fine. <laughs> well, because it's really satisfying to, to do. And yeah. it's just, I think it's very, like, it's not itself bad. No, yeah. It's yeah. just, it's fraught. And I think uh-huh. it requires a lot more, um, it requires other guards against the the what can make those things toxic. Sure. I mean, I... I really just I feel like games like like League and 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 Overwatch and all the games that have famously toxic communities. Yeah, I just am so confused how people aren't getting that the design of these games is a big part of that. Because um, of the de- design of those games is also one of the reasons why they're so successful. Yeah, it's true, absolutely yeah. true. It's like the question the question is like, can you? And this is the challenge I think you're you're putting forth is can you design a game that is equally engaging, but but inherently like dissuades that kind of toxicity. Right. And that gets to the sort of core, the element of stakes, right? The stakes in curling, pretty low. Yeah. <laughs> like you can be the best curler in the world and you, you can, you can't live off that prize money. Like, <laughs> no, right. There are, there are sponsors and there are, there's, you know, there's lots of tournaments and it, you can be a professional curler. Yeah. But it's just not – the stakes are just not as high as being a professional basketball player or a professional league esports player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for real. Um, that's true. And so that's – I think that is a part of it. And and so that might – I think that's that's ultimately me giving curling too much credit. If it were way more popular, if way more was, was riding on it. Yeah. Because if you winning meant, you know, a, you know, a $10 million sponsorship deal, like how long would the spirit of curling – stay in place right you know yeah, that's very true yeah but i don't i i honestly don't think that's the the, the number one factor oh sure. i think it's it's a you know it's it's a hypothetical we it's a we can't explore uh, you know you can't have deflate gate in curling <laughs> that's true yeah um but what, but I, but part of what that means is like you know maybe it would be okay if a lot of our sports and esports 
were less popular, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think and we just had more of them, you there, know? There is something interesting about, like, the dynamics of big. Um, yeah. When I mean that they're really big. I mean, yeah. like, you can look at this in a lot of different things, a lot of different areas of, like, human life and society is when something gets so big that it's just kind of beyond the scope of the of an average person's experience. Mm-hmm. That's when you can get some really weird and I think negative dynamics at play, um, like at large. And some of what I, you know, when you're talking about like the need for referees, I can't remember where I was listening to this. I maybe it was a podcast, maybe it was a conversation, but I was talking to somebody about like the trend of people being really angry at basketball referees and how that was a really big problem. And um, yeah, I don't think it would be as big of an issue if if the stakes weren't so high. And here's the thing is like kids watching these games, they then start acting that way on the court in their own games. Even if they're like really nice, they think that's what you're supposed to do. That's how you're supposed to act. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, yeah, I think maybe it'd be better to have lower stakes. Personally, I, as a sports goer, whenever I am a sports goer, I wait. I prefer the lower, like minor leagues or like local teams. Yeah. I do not like watching like big college games. Can be fun if I'm watching with a group of people who's like from that, from that campus or whatever. But it it makes me really uncomfortable when I think about the money that's at play there and yeah. and what that does to the game because it does do something to the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I think it's one of the reasons that curling can't get popular is because it doesn't have as much drama yeah. in, in, in that. So I think that the part of the design and a lot of the culture leads to these things. And then it is that way, I think, in part because of the lower stakes. But it is lower stakes because of the culture and the design. Yeah. And um, it, I guess it just takes a lot of, like, discipline to design something that when you were saying, like, it might be less engaging. Maybe that's what we should be doing. I mean, I'm curious if curling was designed in such a way that it, you know, had this stuff or did it just like happen to have all of these things? I mean, I guess it has the, the spirit of, of, of curling. Right. Yeah. But like, was that in place at the inception of the game? That's a really interesting question. I don't know the answer. Okay. Well, curling was invented in medieval Scotland. Oh, (laughs) so maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think they had some rocks and they had some ice. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, because I, 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 I think that all of these things just happen to be, like, not to say, you know, I, like, curling has been around for so long that I can't be like, well, actually, curling's not this, because right. obviously it is. <laughs> I've been proven wrong already. Yeah. Um, um, well, when, I mean, when it, when it became an Olympic sport, yeah. which is, I don't know when, but it's not that long ago, uh-huh. Um it you know it did grow in popularity sure, from right. there and and modern curling resulted yeah right um but but yeah i mean it, it has been around a long time yeah but it hasn't been around in its current state for you know longer than you know in living memory is when modern curling began you know and modern curling is when they put in that that uh, that spirit of curling thing or what do well you I, I don't know for a fact I'm, well, I'm, I'm just what is what is modern curling i guess what well I'm i mean just like the the like um you know it is an olympic sport uh-huh, that, you know yeah. that you can you can buy brushes and, and, oh, and shoes got it's it. you know oh um, the 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 more standardization of it sort of yeah that, okay like rather than just an old game that people play yeah in, you know in the in the ice rink when it freezes got yeah. it okay okay um yeah. Okay. So that makes sense. So yeah, I, I, cause I think the, the, the understanding I'm, the impression I'm getting is that a lot of things just happen to be so that like all of these things work so that curling is the way that it is. And I mean, 
certainly it's not like it, I, but i'm not trying to say that it was just happenstance that all this stuff happened right mm-hmm. the the spirit like the spirit of curling is there for a reason and that was put in place to create this culture that allows the way that curling is now to exist right hmm. um but i guess i guess i guess like i guess as a res- i guess i guess i think a lot of it was yeah i think a lot of it was just like I guess I'm just talking out of my rear end. I don't know. <laughs> well, I can feel you bit. sort of reaching for a, a, a reason that yes. doesn't do what I sort of am kind of hinting towards, which is to invalidate other types. Well, of that's okay. So that's, I think that's what I'm having an issue with is yeah. because curling the way you describe it. And maybe yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm probably not being fair by that. Cause you're just describing it the way that it is, but well, I'm, I'm just, I'm motivated in the way I'm describing that's it. That's true. Okay. Um, but the way you describe it is that like curling is this thing. And it's the way that it is. And no other sport is like curling. And I'm trying to figure out why the heck curling is this way and no other sport is like this. Right, yeah. Is, That's what doesn't make sense to me. Is I no guess. other sport like that? There probably are some sports like, like that, yeah. but they're probably like small sports. Well, I think well, that that's kind of what I was sort of drill, getting yeah. drilling down to with in terms of the, the design of the game mm. prevents it from changing. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, all sorts of all sorts of games have history of of you know um of sportsmanship right at their core yeah um it's just that eventually that just gets thrown away as old-fashioned because whatever you know it's a bunch of like you know random uh, uh you know highfalutin talk well part of it is there's no money in that maybe well I don't okay know. counter count, counterpoint counterpoint and maybe this maybe comparing some things here will help illuminate some interesting things about curling okay let's go back to scotland yeah <laughs> um golf oh yeah golf I, I feel like golf has some of the same sort of expectations around um, sportsmanship and um, observation, oh. right? Spectating. So, like the whole the whole like um, what is it stereotype of the golf clap? The golf clap. Yeah. You're not being you're not being a maniac because this game requires a lot of focus. Yeah. Now, also in golf, interestingly, like you're not you're not facing off against an opponent. Like you're like if your ball hits another person's ball, that's a freak accident. Yeah. Um, so that's right, it's, little, not, it's not mini golf, right? Yeah. I'm not talking mini golf. Yeah. <laughs> mini golf gets wild, <laughs> um, but like you are, you are kind of interacting with the with your ball, and you're using your skill with your um, your clubs to try to to meet the uh, the goal of getting your ball into the cup right. in a fewer number of strokes than your opponents, right? But be Besides the fact that you're both kind of working towards that goal, there really isn't much direct. There, there really isn't any direct interaction between yeah. the players. Yeah. Less so than even in curling, right? Because mm-hmm. in curling, like your stones can interact with each other. Right. That's part of the gameplay. Yeah. Right. In golf, so, there is. I mean, I don't know a lot about this, but in golf, there is like you know you have supporters doing those golf claps, and they maybe do it offbeat to mess up an opponent. Oh, really? Like there's there is a lot of that kind of drama, but it's hard to break through because there's not just not opportunities in golf yeah. yeah like there's not a lot there's not a lot to, to psych people out but people do try yeah mm. yeah i'm just trying to imagine like if i were in a golf spectator like group and someone like claps off beat i'd be like <laughs> or like out of turn i'd be like just so would everyone turn at them and like look at them i feel like yeah that would be the thing that would happen the other thing i'm curious about is i don't i don't know anything about polo the sport where you're like mm-hmm. playing with horses yeah um but the dynamic of golf i feel is also like fairly replicated in the dynamic of equestrian sports um because you're not like 
unless you're like at the Renaissance Festival and you're like jousting. That's a little yeah. bit different. I'm talking about like Olympic level equestrian sports where you're doing like jumping or you're doing eventing or you're doing dressage. Yeah. You are competing for a score um, with your horse and you are competing against other people who are also going for a high score. Yeah. Um, now, that doesn't seem like it really fits the dynamic of curling nor does it fit the dynamic of all the like the other team sports that we brought up in in examples here like um you know like basketball or hockey or football or whatever but mm-hmm. what about polo and i'm curious i i don't know anything about polo but i would be really really interested in looking into the dynamics around that because the stakes are high if you mess up you can get someone seriously hurt because right. you're not just yeah. the humans on the field you also have these flighty prey animals that right it's an an extreme sport in disguise it kind of is they're 1200 pound creatures running around at 30 miles an hour yeah right 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 right. yeah i think i mean gymnastics is also like you were describing like uh individual equestrian sports where it's like you just all the drama and competition and trash talk happens off off the the field yeah Yeah. um and so because it does doesn't give you the opportunity mm-hmm. i think that the what does make curling special is and you identified it it's like it is a game where you are directly competing with other people and yet it still has this like bizarre like you know handshakiness where people are just like yeah great game i don't totally beat you by a million points and it was terrible but great game and you had a good time too and just like this weird it does seem if you watch curling in the olympics it just seems unnatural like how like those the people are there it's like maybe sometimes might be their only shot and the, the 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 competitive stakes are very high, sure. Um, and it just doesn't get to them in the same way, and it's incredible. Hmm. And I would be curious to see if there are other sports like that. Like if the fact that polo is dangerous also encourages people to be less risky, yeah. like that, then then that could be part of the you know, like imagine you play a game where there's you know there's a swinging pendulum you know with with the you know uh, <laughs> cut your head off or something yeah, yeah. and you have to get pretty close to it to play uh-huh. i think everybody would be less likely to foul their opponents yeah right <laughs> unless you're a, a psychopath yeah right uh, i'm not sure that's a good you know uh um uh you know thing to introduce to games but no a swinging pendulum <laughs> but that might be fights. another explanation that, that uh, might apply to other sports oh, you know can you do that or something i don't remember anyway i mean probably <laughs> yeah <laughs> um well that brings me back to one of the other things that i thought was really interesting is like the lack of explicit consequences so we brought that up earlier when we were talking about um like the idea that fines are also like a fee yes yeah um, and they can be a, a price of admission essentially to the sin of whatever foul you're committing in the game mm-hmm. But the interesting thing about not having those things specified is that then they loom larger in your head. Because, mm-hmm. like, if you if you cheat and you don't call the fact – like, if you fouled and you caught it and you didn't say anything and then someone reviews the video footage later and was like, hey, like, your reputation is gone. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, it's, like – It's meant to matter so much. Because yeah. there, there are some times – there are some sports where, you know, someone sneaks by – like and you'd be like, oh, you know, that would have been a foul, but they did a thing that made it look ambiguous. Wow, they're really clever. Like sometimes that is pra- praised mm-hmm. because uh-huh. it is clever, right? To, right? to sort of like get up to the rules, and but because it isn't as defined, and there's no, you know, uh, officials making those calls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I think you're right. It does it 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 puts the burden on the player, mm-hmm. and so they're less likely because they have to you know they have to call their own foul. They you know they really respect themselves as judges, so. 
you know, yeah, they, it's they're less likely to be motivated by other concerns like winning this end or winning this match or winning this gold medal, um, right? Because the person who's looking out for it, uh, you know, mistakes is themselves, right? When you have a referee, you're since you're, I guess, in a way, outsourcing that part of the responsibility. Yeah, mm-hmm. you no longer have to be accountable for your own sportsmanship because someone else is, and you have to do that in those sports because you would not be a reliable referee yourself because there's so much going on and so right. much of it is subjective. And it's yeah. so fast. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. You've got to have a referee. But so, then also the presence of a referee enables or kind of encourages some bad behavior. Right. So it, it mm. does go back to the design. It allows for those things to be the way they are. It, does, it, doesn't, it doesn't make them that way, but it, it creates an environment where you can have that culture. Um, because it's not that hard to maintain. So the game, okay. So in 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 a in a scenario when you're trying to design a game like curling in this way, yeah, it seems like the game needs to be turn based or slow, mm-hmm. slow enough for everybody to be able to judge themselves in a way that. Well, not necessarily. Think. This okay. is an approach I did with Metro Nexus, with, oh. with the way I, I I show end of match um, uh, scores. Uh-huh. If the I, it, I show. Uh, score over time yeah. in, in, in the end screen in Metro Nexus. So if you lost, the, you can still see that maybe you were winning earlier. Mm. And that is information that you can be proud of. Okay. I also don't track um, wins match to match. Yeah. So there's no sense of like, at the end of the round, you'd be like, I think I won more, but I don't know. Mm. You know? Um, and this is something that uh, Overwatch 2, I think, is changing the way they're r- reporting um uh, like kill death ratios. Oh, sure. Um, I don't remember offhand exactly, but there was a lot of discussion about how. Oh, one of the things that was nice about Overwatch was that some of that information was kept from players, so we didn't judge each other, and we didn't get mad at each other, or, or you know, uh, either for, you know for whatever reason, because yeah. there's less metrics to put people in buckets. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, a new player um, isn't going to be teased as much for being a noob if. All that reveals them to be new is uh, to be a noob is their performance. Yeah. Um, but if you could, if you see some authoritative information that says this person sucks, yeah. then you you your opinion has already formed they're a bad player. Yeah. Right. Yes. And so I think it's more you're not wrong that 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 turn based games are maybe easier to set up for that, mm. but it isn't outside the reach of other types of games, even ones that are very high have high level competitive yeah. play. You know, it's interesting as you bring up those metrics too, because a lot of times people will bring up, you know, kill death ratios and stuff. And that is not even a good signifier on how well a player does a lot of the time. Yeah. Like I guess when you get extreme numbers like zero and fifty, that's probably you, you didn't do good. Uh, <laughs> but like like yeah, a lot of those times people will look at those numbers and, and yeah, like you said, Mark, mm-hmm. um attribute your skill to those numbers, regardless of the fact that the like the player can be um, contributing to the team in other ways, yeah, right, it, that it, aren't as measurable, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. What yeah. it's like the it's like kind of like the negative side of what gets measured, what gets measured gets improved, mm-hmm. except for on online games, what gets measured gets dunked on, yes. yeah, yeah. Right, that that remind that the part of that discussion was about people who were healers, right? Yeah, yeah. And even in Fingence, you the way I've talked to you about this before that in Fingence, you, you you're told how, uh, what your damage count was, your, what your tanking count was. Yep. Um, and but because each character has different strengths, yeah, those those numbers are never apples to apples, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Um, and that's that, so it makes them difficult to use, um, for that purpose. But right. but a lot of games have the same problem. They just throw those numbers out there, and then they leave. They let players make those conclusions. Um, where it encourages to make those conclusions. Yeah, hmm. it's not just that like it makes it it 
they are faster to reach those conclusions. Mm -hmm. If you play a game and someone's on your team and they're not doing very well, not having the constant reminder on screen is makes it more likely for you to just enjoy yourself more yeah. playing with that player who isn't as good. Mm -hmm. Even if you, it's not that you, it's not like it, the fact is hidden from you that they're not that good. Yeah. It's just that the game is not encouraging you to put, to to value yeah. that, that mm -hmm. metric. Yeah. The reason why we put those numbers in Fingence was not so that, I mean, I guess people can compete with it, but it wasn't the intention because like you said, Mark, yeah. not every character is good at dealing damage and not every character is good. Not every character can heal. Um, but the numbers are really meant for you as the player to, 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 to analyze your own abilities. Yeah. And analyze and, your own stats. And, and that's what's difficult about it is that yeah. those numbers do have real value right. in all sorts of games. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so hiding them from the player is taking something away from them. Right. Um, well, you can always hide them from other players and not your own, like not yeah, the individual. For sure. Yeah. And so I imagine like with curling at the, 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 the stones aren't measured. You said they weren't measured until the end of the the end right right um you you know you take a peek and you make a guess like because yeah. it, it, it happens quite often actually where mm. the two stones are they look almost identically apart from the button yeah but you can't measure unless at the end of the end you're not sure yeah and then any team can call for the measure mm -hmm. um uh, well, interestingly sometimes it'll be really close and like the viewer at home if a camera right over the top can't yeah. quite tell oh. but both teams are pretty sure one was closer yeah and nobody calls for a measure Hmm. Like that's how good the sportsmanship is. If it's like a millimeter, like a millimeter difference, if you can pretty much see that millimeter yeah. and the other team can pretty much see that millimeter, you don't have to confirm it. Mm -hmm. It's, it is another weird thing about it. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it is until the end. And so, um, uh, the, in curling, it's, I wouldn't put much of the magic on the not withholding information though, because the information well, is just very simple. They're not withholding information. The, yeah. the information is there. It's just not measured precisely as it would be if you did the measure. Right. That's true. I don't, I wouldn't say that's a huge right. reason of a, a, a contributor to, to curling's, uh, uh, um, you know, the way it is. Yeah. I, I think that's just a one way other games could probably do it. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to do a nice games jam where we take on this. Yeah. Yeah. Take this, take this challenge on. It's a really good idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Curling 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you, you probably know this already, but Dale's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Dale gave me some advice today. Oh. She told me how many, how many cactuses or cacti was too many for me to have. I'm not there yet. Okay. Yeah. That's she good. also told me how much was too much to spend on a house plant. Oh. Yep. Okay. She's a font of useful information. And the cool thing is is that like you can see some of her useful insights on Twitter. Yes. Ooh. She shares stuff about game development and tweets some things about cats in Star Trek. <laughs> All anchors. Those yeah. are the three pillars of Nice Games Club Twitter. <laughs> Pretty much. But yeah. it's not just that. Other stuff sneaks through as well. Mm, tell me more, Mark. Other stuff. <laughs> Sweet. Sometimes we have recommendations of games that are made by our pals. Yeah. Um, and those get retweeted, and so you can check those out as well at Nice Games Club on Twitter. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So that was, we kind of off-ramped onto off of curling. Uh-huh. So I'm really else. glad I wasn't oh, the shoot. one to try to do this transition because <laughs> I was thinking about it also. And I'm like, I'm going to spin right off into just directly saying the thing, aren't I? And then Ellen took the bullet for me. <laughs> I was just going to say my topic is, but I mean, I'm my, glad you said. My kill-death ratio for transitions is <laughs> zero, zero 50, 50 probably. Yeah, that's yeah. Nice. Yes. So gaming off-ramps. What is an off-ramp, you might be asking yourself, dear listener. Um, I made it up. I don't know that I made it up. It actually probably is a term, but I don't know if it is. So somebody let me know. Listeners, let me know. Uh, NiceGames.club slash feedback. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm defining an off-ramp is the place where it makes most sense when you're in the middle of a gaming session to end your gameplay session. Oh, a um, session? Yeah. Not a whole game? Yes. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, okay. That's even interesting-er than I Right. Was. Okay. So, so... Uh, <laughs> So I was thinking, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, interesting. Um, um, I I was thinking about this with respect to like I, I guess like games that I will play Stay for hours on end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Civilization, yeah. Um, <laughs> Humankind, Four uh, X Games. Yeah, um, we talked about this before. Like one more turn is yes, like the yes. gag with Civilization. It's a whole thing. Yeah, they yeah. put it in their advertising. It's in their advertising. And I always felt like that's that's advertising that you don't know how to design your experience. <laughs> well. Um, and I want to talk about that too, because like, I, uh, you, you, you might want to, I hope that, uh, listeners start considering where their off ramps are in their game. Yeah. Um, mm. I think it, I, I honestly, I do think it's important for games to have off ramps, have places where it makes sense for, or the player can understand that this is a good place to stop. Yeah. But I think, um, oftentimes in, uh, in a game, an off ramp is like, you know, at the, in between levels or um you just did like a major milestone in the game like i don't know you beat a big boss or something like that yeah yeah they're like bus stops yeah yeah, yeah. they're like bus stops <laughs> that's a better term for it i love that I can re- i'm gonna retroactively <laughs> rename it uh <laughs> um yeah so so uh i was thinking about this with, with respect to like um yeah like civilization and humankind in that like there are plenty of times when you've done something major like you built um a cultural wonder or you ended a war or you built a major city or something. I yeah. don't know. Um, but like, there's always other things that are holding your attention. Yeah, you're always constantly. in the middle yeah. of something else. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'll be like, well, I'll just wait until I finish the Taj Mahal and then I'll end the game. Um, and then like, oh no, the AI declared war on me. Well, shoot, now I got to deal with this. And then the Taj Mahal gets built and you're, you know, handling this war. And you're like, well, I'll just finish this war with the AI. I almost got him now. 
Um, and then you're really close to the the science victory. So you're like, well, dang, I guess I got to start building the science, you know, building towards science victory now. And then you just, yeah. Um, so it's, it's difficult in those games. Well, I, I think those games are designed in such a way that it is difficult to end them due to the fact that there's just so much stuff that you can constantly be paying attention to. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, well, it's and like in a queue too. It's like, it's always going, you have yes. like, like, always you're always cooking something up and there's always something ready to be done and there's yep. like always you're always starting something new yep yeah and that's core to the design because otherwise you'd reach a breaking point and then you wouldn't have a lot of motivation to come back mm-hmm. and so it's it that can't change really yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah in yeah. those games yeah yeah i mean you maybe could design it so that it worked differently but then it'd be a different game yeah you'd, um, yeah you'd be changing a lot more yeah. than you'd, you'd want to yeah um so like i think in 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 more in other games like platformers or racing games or what have you, a lot of times your play session ends um, in between levels. So, like for example, in Widget Satchel, um, I think um, when I, I've caught myself, like I'll go through maybe the first second level and then I'll stop for a little while, mm-hmm. get something to drink, uh, come back and do level three, because um, I think that like that just makes sense. As a player, you can kind of feel where it makes sense, mm-hmm. and I think that this is what I'm trying to just. Uh, to bring a, a point across yeah. is that like the player and the player kind of knows where is a good place to stop Ooh, where they're, you're talking about pacing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pacing thing. It's yeah. a pacing thing. It's totally a pacing thing. Um, and, and so like you as a developer need to recognize where the player is going to fill these things and make sure that they're put into the game mm-hmm. in well, a way that make in a place that makes sense. Or if you're designing a Forex game, take them all out. <laughs> well, well <laughs> when you think about some games that, mm. that, I think having those overlapping yeah. experiences it does give you the the encouragement to come back to it. Yes. It also helps when you start a new play session to wind into Yeah, into yeah that's things. true. But I think the most successful games that do this, like Metroidvanias or platformers, have the main thing you're doing have these really uh, defined bus stops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then other things are always happening in the background, but they're not so important to keep you playing when you've decided it, when you get to the the ending point of this, the main trunk of the experience. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of those games too have like safety areas or save points. Yeah. Where yeah. like you know this is a good place for you to rest up, and this is where you'd like pause the game or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even like in in a game like Dark Souls where you can't technically pause the game, um, you know, you go to somewhere where it's safe, like uh, a vendor or whatever, mm-hmm. um, where you won't get attacked by enemies. Um, and you can do that and then end the game there. Um, so yeah, I think that, that that's those are those are a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I I am curious as to how I guess I, I want to figure out good places or how to design games around this idea, this concept. This this I mean, it's effectively a pacing concept. Yeah. And so I'm curious as to y'all's thoughts on how to think about that. You're designing a game. One of the things that bubbled up for me as you were talking about the different types of games and the different experiences is like intensity of focus. Mm -hmm. So like the fun thing about 4X, at least for me, and I have not played nearly as much 4X stuff as you have, Steven. (laughs) Um, But the thing that did feel satisfying is like that kind of like constant hum of activity. Yeah. You know, like it's kind of just you're like chugging along and there's stuff to do and you've got some momentum and you get it to like a nice pace when things are like popping up and there's always like progress you're always making this progress Well, part of the fun of those games is making things as efficient as possible right so that makes sense yeah for sure well compare that to like to a metroidvania for example you might have (laughs) 
I'm thinking specifically of some of the little robots in Metroid Dread. <laughs> you might be smashing your head against the wall yes. for many, many minutes, and you're, it's taking all of your focus and it's taking all of your skill. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna, you're gonna, you're you can't even think about stopping until either you get it done or you get so frustrated that you need to take a break. Right, 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 um, right, right. But both both of those forks, right? You you did the thing or you got so frustrated you needed to take a break are preceded directly by intense focus and in, like intense concentration. Yeah. And that kind of intensity just is like isn't in a 4X game, I don't think. At least it hasn't been in my experience. Uh, I mean, I guess the closest you get to is some is like a war, a particular important battle in a war. Of yeah, some it's form. hard to be single minded. Yeah, in those experiences. Yeah, because even when you're doing a war, like you still got other cities and they still got other things they got. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that makes sense. Um, that is an interesting point though that you bring up, Ellen, because like each off ramp, each time a player takes an off ramp, um, they won't get back on the highway. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, yeah, basically, each time a player you know stops playing your game, there's a chance that they won't come back to it. Hmm. And I think, like, I ultimately, I suppose, as game developers, ideally, you just buy the game and you give us the money. But we would like you to play through the game too, because you know yeah. we spend a lot of time on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, e- so each time that you give players opportunities like that to stop, you know, to stop playing their game or your game. Um, you know, there's a potential opportunity for them to forget about the game or realize that, oh, wait, I actually wasn't having that much fun with the game or whatever and just not come back to it. You know, there's a bunch of things like that to, mm-hmm. to keep in mind, yeah. which is kind of weird. But, like, I don't, I guess ultimately, I don't know that you can, like, design a game around keep, I guess you can, actually. You can, you can design a game to keep people playing. It. Yeah, like, you're asking, you know, like, what gets, if you're just, you know, okay, just to keep with the, it's like kind of late now, so my brain's getting tired, which means I'm going to say some goofy metaphors. But to continue with the road idea, yes, like how do you make sure that they're just getting on the off ramp to go like fill up with gas, and then they're just going to get back on the the highway or whatever? Mm-hmm. Versus they're getting on, they're getting off the off ramp, and they think they're going to go get gas, but instead they get distracted and they drive to the world's biggest yard, like ball twine. <laughs> you know, like yeah. You, how do you get them back on the road? And one of the ways you do it is you make the road interesting, right? Yes. So coming back to the Metroid example, I just love how Metroid becomes such a great like way to talk about game design because I love that <laughs> franchise Aww, so much. Yeah. So anyway, so like you beat the boss and you go to the save zone mm-hmm. after that you unlocked because you beat the boss. Right, Whew, right. So glad that there was one right there. Hmm, so nice that they put it there, right? So then you save and you're going to go get your soda. But the thing is, is like that boss was on your way to a goal you had regarding the map. Yeah. Right? So, like, now that you've beaten the boss, that's an obstacle that's cleared. It wasn't just that you beat a challenge. It's that it was – that challenge was actually an obstacle in the way of your goal. Yeah. And you have a goal in the – you have a long-term goal of beating the game, right, and, you know, getting off the whatever godforsaken planet you're on this time. (laughs) Um but you also have a near-term goal, which is getting your, you know, you're going after this one part of the map because yeah. you think that there's a big upgrade there or, you know, you you need to figure out how the, you know, just where the elevator is or something like that. You know, you have this near-term goal that's relating to where you are in the map. Right. And the boss that you beat, that high-intensity moment, that was an obstacle in the way of your goal. So that that goal is still there in front of your mind now that the obstacle is clear to just draw you back onto the freeway. Yeah, it's yeah having those yeah having a reason to come back, mm-hmm. but not a but but letting the player be satisfied to take the break. Hmm. 
right? Yeah. Which is that that clearing that obstacle. Oh, that's fascinating. Because I think a lot about um, games where you have to keep so much in your head as you're going towards the goal that if you leave now, after completing, if you're getting through an obstacle on the way there, then it's going to take you longer to get back and, and going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I like a lot. The, the example I was thinking of from Metroid is when you do reach a new area, that's a good time to stop. Yeah. You get a cutscene, you get teased, and then you're like, all right, it's time for dinner. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and, then, and then that that tease will help you come back. Right. But yeah. that's different. That's setting up a new goal, right? But um, but it's still a tantalizing reason to come back to the game. Right. But, yeah. but Ellen kind of like made it defi- – uh, broadened the definition of, oh. of kind of what I was thinking. It's okay. like as long as you have that goal – in your mind still, mm-hmm. whether it's it was just presented to you or whether you just got a, a significant percentage through um, and had that, that moment of that where the pacing is now slowed down. Yeah. As long as that, that short-term goal or a short-term goal is available to you or handed to you, then you, you do have a reason to come back. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. there are games that either I have to keep going or else it's going to take me forever to get started again. Yeah. Or games where when, when I do leave them for the day, I think to my in my you know I'm like I'm never gonna come back to this am I <laughs> right yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm reminded of Cuphead in this in this respect because like yeah. I think that I mean all I think the off ramps were like in between bosses right but like I would keep bashing my head against one of the like one of the bosses I was having a particular hard time with because I felt like if I don't beat it like I felt like the off ramp was coming. Mm. And that was yeah. what and I wanted to get to that op, the one that's coming up instead of the one that I had previously. Right. And you don't um, want to retrain your reflexes. Yes. Uh, so you got to get through that. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah but yeah. then I'll quit. Then I'll quit. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, um, so, like, yeah, I, I, I think that, like, it, it, it can also become more apparent to players when they want to stop, you know, as they're playing different parts of your game, too. Um, and it'll make, you know, it'll become more clear to players when they want to stop this. I think that this, 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 this analysis that players are doing while they're playing a game, when they want to end it um, is more difficult when you're playing a multiplayer game, because there's like some more social aspects of it yeah. because like, just because you want to stop doesn't mean other people want to stop. Um, and sometimes it can be difficult for you to end and other people to continue to play. Um, so like there's like a social pressure to continue to play the game, even when you like done with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes it kind of difficult, um, especially if your game has relatively short play, like games, um, mm. like a fighting game, for instance, fighting games, you know, are relatively short. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can just keep going over and over and over again. And it's pretty soon, you know, you've been, um, sparring for two hours. Um, that can be uh, an aspect of it, but like, that's, I guess that's difficult to, to well, that's, test for. That's a, that's a game genre that yeah. essentially is not interested in the question. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that, well, yeah. And it, the game gives you plenty of opportunities to stop. You literally, like yeah. after every match, you can just stop. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't, it, so it doesn't create enough problems for itself. That it needs to solve with that. Yes. Probably. How does this idea of off ramps relate to something like idle games? Oh, so yeah. Like the one, one that I've been kind of poking around is called summoners greed. And mm-hmm. it doesn't, I mean, it's a good, it's like a, idle game slash summoning game sure. slash tower defense kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's cute, but it's got all, you know, it's got a lot of the mechanics that 
and dynamics that you kind of see in this genre and like there's like 18 types of currency and you yeah. need all of them to be really good and right. yeah of course you can pay for them and there's a deal or something so i'm kind of at the point where it's like all right in order to really enjoy the game in a time scale that like is human as opposed to like cosmic yeah. um i've got to start spending some money and i'll throw them a few dollars because i you know I'll, I'll send them some money because i've been playing it but like i'm not going to spend 79 dollars to get 300 purple gems yeah. and 200 right, red right. gems and whatever yeah but it's interesting because, like, you play what you've got until the point where the game beats you. And then it's like the off-ramp is, okay, now I'm going to wait until my free coins recharge. And then I'm going to come back to it. So it's, like, it's weird because, like, the off-ramp seems related to the idea that you should be paying for the yeah. next attempt. What it is, it's it's forced on you and you don't want it. Yeah. And yeah. because because a natural off ramp is a threat to the business model of a game right. like that. Right. Yes. Yeah. And so they don't want you to ever think about that and you'll eventually get exhausted and have to stop for a while. Mm. But you but and they do also want to make it easy to get back onto it. Yes. Mm-hmm. But that you never feel satisfied and ready to walk away. That's it's part of the design. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and I mean those games like give you reminders and stuff constantly to let you know, oh, we're here for you. You mm-hmm. know, please join, come back again. When Your free ready. coins are ready. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so those games are built to keep people playing yeah. them. Yeah. Um, and and and, and they, I want to talk about that too because I think that it's kind of that's unhealthy mm-hmm. to yeah. design games around that kind of thing where you're constantly supposed to be engaging with the game. Mm-hmm. I think that MMOs have that kind of have that design around them too. Um, and part of it is also community based because like, you know, your, your, uh, your community around you is not actively like pressuring you to spend money and spend time playing the game, but like it's, it's a social aspect of it too. Right. Yeah. Um, so like in order for you to spend time with your friends, you need to spend time with your friends in this game. Um, and so that is incentive to continue to play the game. And then also, you know, the game gives you plenty of different like daily missions and whatnot to keep you coming back to it and keep you playing it over and over again. And for longer, um, cause that is ultimately more content for them for the MMO, which, you know, um, uh, makes it more enticing for other people to play the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of like feeds into itself. Um, so I, I, I do want to, yeah, I want to talk about that specifically because like, I think that even in, even Civ, and humankind like you know i like those games a lot but i don't think that it's healthy that those games encourage you to continue to play um i kind of wish that those games did something that like we sports and stuff do where like uh, like the phys- more physical games where um after like an hour of play the game will remind you oh you've been playing this for an hour maybe it's time to take a break mm-hmm. um i get annoyed when that ha- when they bring that up because <laughs> i'm like i'm not done playing games shut up but <laughs> but understandably especially in a physical game like you can hurt yourself if you you know play it for too long right and and that basically they don't solve the problem mechanically yeah they just literally just solve the problem any way they can yeah and and i guess I, what you're saying is that's that's if that's all you can manage to do fine go ahead and do it i mean at least do that yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. but it's valuable enough right yeah yeah oh gosh i wish that civ told me i've been playing it for three hours yeah you know actually uh there's another forex game that i had played a while back called anno 1800 Mm -hmm. and that game would actually i think this the narrator would be like oh it looks like you've been playing this game for three hours maybe it's time to take a break (laughs) um and he the way that he'd say it is basically exactly how i'd say it so it (laughs) it didn't make you feel like you'd want to take a break yeah Felt like the guy was being patronizing. Yeah. But, Listeners, um, feel free to clip that out and put it in your own game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please do. 
<laughs> Let me know if you do. Um, um, but like at the very least, they did put in that reminder. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that like it, yeah. If 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 I if, wonder if it like that game just has a really bad memory leak and just <laughs> wants to make sure you shut it down before. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to listen to the voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think that I, I think ultimately you want to design ways for players to feel like they can end the game, especially since there's a lot of reasons why people want to stop playing games, and it's not necessarily because they want to stop playing the game, but maybe something is taking their attention. For instance, there are parents who play games, and sometimes their kid needs them at this specific moment, and they you can't just like you know, wait until you get to a save point. Yeah, a lot of those those uh, survival horror games or yeah. FromSoft games that we can't truly pause. Right. It, I always hear new parents complain about that. Right. Like, do they not understand that humans have lives? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, like, having some method to actively, you know, pause, even if it's just a pause, like a regular pause instead of, like, an off-ramp sort of thing, mm -hmm. um, I think is important. But I think, yeah, having having dedicated places for players to feel comfortable ending the game is good yeah because, i think so too yeah i think it's i think it's also an, an aspect of trust between you know developer yeah. game and player uh, yeah i mean it's really if you're if you're designing in off ramps i mean there's so much you just said i think is worth double clicking on yeah. um so like if you're designing off ramps it does mean that you are not designing into those kind of like black hat dynamics that mm -hmm. i was describing with the you know, the idle game that yeah. makes you play, like pay to continue. Right. Um, but also, so like there is that, that aspect of trust. Like if you have offerings and it's like, yes, we were okay with you stepping away from our game because mm -hmm. we know it's so good that you'll come back. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also like the idea that the off ramp is for like letting people take a break, like a breath and taking a break from the game mm -hmm. and then coming back into it. Um, and then the pause menu is for like interruptions. Yes. I think that's, right, right. that's a good way of thinking about it. It definitely drives with my own experience because mm -hmm. I have both. Like sometimes I just want to go and get a bubbly drink and have like a bubbly drink. Yep. And other times my dog is eating something she shouldn't <laughs> and I need to pause the game and fix that. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think there's two ways to go about designing for this. Yeah. One is make the game you're going to make and see wh how you can like, oh, this is how long a play session should be. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Or I, I think both of these are valid, but I think it might be more successful if your aim is to have useful like, you know, uh, off ramps in your game. Yeah. Is to think about your play session, what a play session is going to do for a player. Yes. Really, really early. Okay. Because then you can start putting up your, your design and your mechanics against that. Like yeah. it's a design pillar. Yeah. Like I want these sessions to be third, no more than 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And uh, then everything you do feeds into servicing that goal. And I mean, the like it's an arbitrary goal, but if you've got it, then you can design for it. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, yeah, you you may not feel comfortable deciding that right away. Mm. You you may feel more comfortable deciding other things early. Your first couple of choices are always going to be informed by nothing. So yes. it's you know it just depends on what your first couple of choices are. But if that's one of them, if if you want to do that, you can. I think you can be very successful um, designing for that. Um, otherwise, you do have to just keep in mind like and and design once the game presents itself with a natural ending point or perhaps you realize that this is now that you've got the game on its feet oh man a play session is going to take long, longer than i would be comfortable with with this design that i've made right and then you got to start untangling things a little bit and yeah and, and tweaking it into it so you can have it naturally find its own place or you can 
you know, uh, make a judgment call later on, or you could start from, from the top. Yeah. Um, but either way, and, and if you are trying to design in a Civ like way where one more turn, mm-hmm. um, or if you're doing black hat mobile games, this game design, <laughs> uh, you need to know about this too. Right. So you can design for that. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm reminded of a four X game. I can't remember the name of it, but like it's supposed to last an hour at most. They, they all say that. Well, I don't know that they do. <laughs> Tell me, this sounds like a Forex game that I might play. I, I have to look into it, but yeah, it was it was designed to be played within a lunch break. Yeah, time. Huh. Um. Yeah. So that's a fascinating thing. It's interesting too because like the decisions that they made in terms of like the decisions you have to make in the game must not be so complicated that you can spend a good five, ten minutes thinking them through. Yeah, right? yeah. I would love a good 20-turn world co- domination Forex game. Yeah. Mm. where Because like things would just happen so quickly. Yeah. But it also gives you the opportunity to design for lots of different outcomes. Yeah, it's true. Mm. Um, well, that people could try really quickly. Mm-hmm. That'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. Or like, or like small planet mode. It's only, it's yeah. only an hour oh. long because everything is tiny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's fun. That's our show. For show notes and links on today's topics, oh, good stuff. Go to our website, nicegames.club. Visit us on Twitter at Nice Games Club, where Dale tweets about game dev resources and the difference between GitHub and Git. We like hearing from you, so tweet back or email us to contact at nicegames.club. Nice Games Club is on Patreon. Support the show and get stuff. Sign up at patreon.com slash nicegamesclub. And if you want to keep things more casual, stop by at nicegames.club slash discord and say what's up. Next week, we'll be looking at level design with High Moon Studios' Nina Murata. But that's it for this week. So until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. I tell did i say the number of cactuses you didn't i like i like, I that, like you that you didn't, didn't say that yeah because yeah. <laughs> it could be something i'm just gonna let people guess still under it. i'm just gonna let people guess it's gonna drive lane crazy <laughs> <laughs> okay as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming i wish i had used indeed if you need to hire you need indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster and indeed doesn't just help you hire faster 93 percent of employers agree indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a 75 dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash podcast that's indeed.com slash podcast terms and conditions apply everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.